everybody. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, and when I am not outside running, riding, etc., I'm probably inside writing about it or on this podcast. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and an endurance coach, and you are here on the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we talk to people who do all different types of movements and sports and those who coach and are experts in those sports, and we try and pull that back into actionable things that you can apply to your sport and to your life. Very nice. Yeah, well I think done. we're close to the one we're going to keep. We're getting there. Yep. Intro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's what's shaking? Uh, you know, it's getting to be that crummy time of season in Ontario. And, uh, you know, it's raining a lot. We got a bit of snow today. We were out on a, a longer run. And we it, w- it was nice at times, but we definitely got that sleet in the face. Oh, man. I got a piece of hail in the eye and... I thought I was going to cry. Yeah. I mean, it was good for the most part. You feel like you're out on this big adventure, but, and, and it did sort of come and go. I so. mean, we were also kind of out on a big adventure. We just ran 20 miles. Yeah. But it, you feel like you're like, you're at the top of what we call the escarpment here. So just sort of the top of the, the large, I guess, escarpment, big hill. Um, yeah. And you just, you feel like you're getting, you're sort of getting that mountain experience. We don't get here on the, I guess in Ontario, but the East Yeah. very often, very easily. Yeah, trails were pretty slick. It was, yeah, really fun. It was uh, our good friend's birthday, so we went out and did birthday kilometers, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, and then I'm headed to the gym now, so we'll see how much uh, muscular strength I can muster after that. We'll I'm a little worried might about be, Today might be an arm day. Uh, I'm not going to lie. We might t- go towards that, but today is the day I had to go have to go to the gym, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a little nervous for you. I'm gonna stay yeah. here and uh, do <laughs> some writing. <laughs> My uh, bench press is if it already wasn't impressive. Uh, so we're, yeah, so we're doing that. Uh, sort of most people are started now on their training for 2020. So lots of on ramp and getting sort of initial testing done. I did my initial testing yesterday, so I've had a big two day block here. Oh, very exciting. Numbers are looking good, which good, is good, good, which is good. Yeah, and it's a pretty exciting time here in Ontario right now. We have cyclocross nationals just right. happened last week. I forgot about that. Yeah, we were out in Peterborough, Ontario for that. That was super fun. Really and it great was racing. A little bit cool. of mud, a little bit of rain, and so it was testing people on the some sl- slippery corners and lots of running and carrying of bicycles. Yeah, and this coming weekend there's Pan American Championships, so a lot of the big riders from the U.S. are coming up to Midland, Ontario. So we'll head over to that, which I'm pretty stoked for. Yeah, yeah, it'll be good. Lots of friends from U.S. coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't get to see people too often, or especially you know, as winter is winter is coming, as they say. Um, and we obviously spend a lot of time on the road in the winter doing coaching camps and stuff. We have our women's gravel camp in Girona. We still have a couple spots left on that. We'll I might even say one spot, but one we'll, spot. we'll say a couple just in case there's a couple of people out if, there. Uh, but. Yeah, if anyone's interested, you can find all of the info over on consummateathlete.com. We'll put the links in the show notes and to all of the camp info. Uh, so yeah, definitely check that out. So that's going to be mid-March. It's going to be wicked fun, really good week. Um, but yeah, today to kind of get into that wintry season, uh, we actually have U.S. Olympic ski jumper and mountain runner Sarah Hendrickson. So she did the Red Bull 400 over the summer, which is what uh, what kind of brought her onto my radar, uh, which is basically the opposite of what she would normally do, right? Normally she's coming down a hill and say. Yeah, she's sending a good it combo. off uh, off a jump, but uh, in this case she was going up the same hill that she'd normally be skiing see, down. You'll see like ski mountaineering, which is like going up and then coming mm-hmm. down, combined with mountain running. You know, it, 
you lose your snow, so you have to start running. But this is ski jumping, very mm-hmm. much going down. Yeah. yeah. So she's she's one of the coolest athletes I've really gotten a chance to talk to. Um, just really interesting in terms of her training and you know what she's thinking about for the Olympics being you know pretty far out. But we like. I actually did not realize what the world of ski jumping looked like. So this was a really educational episode for me. And this is like the big ramps. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So not freestyle, but just for distance. Yeah. I did not realize that all of the stuff, you know, had, you know, World Cup circuit. I mean, I guess I intellectually realized it, but talking to her, what a season looks like. In North America, it's not. Yeah. It's not common to see those. Yeah. And we actually talk a bunch about that and, you know, just how there's like a pretty big gender pay gap in ski jumping at the World Cups, uh, which again, for me, obviously coming from cycling, I'm like, oh, yes, of course I understand that. That seems terrible. Uh, but Sarah's doing a lot of really cool things to try to work on closing that gender gap. Mm. Um, she's also doing a bunch of, you know, coaching with younger girls and, you know, training on her own and obviously jumping into some of these really cool things. Sort of an odd, it's like bobsled. Mm-hmm. How do you get into it, right? Yeah. How do you get into it? What do you do? There was a movie just recently. Was it Eddie the Eagle? Eddie the Eagle. I feel yeah. like she probably doesn't like talking about it. Probably one of those things where there's every sport has that like, oh, are you a Lance Armstrong? Like, what do you think about Lance Armstrong? Yeah. Right? You're a cyclist. So I won't bring up Eddie the Eagle again, but uh, it not, was a movie on ski jumping. I will say we did not talk about Eddie the Good Eagle. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be cool. I was trying to be trying to be cool uh she actually it was pretty interesting she we talk about she took a big break in 2018 uh sort of after the last olympics and we sort of talked through why she needed that break and you know what that looked like and honestly the choice to take a break um i think a lot of athletes struggle with that where they know they need one they know it's coming so you're saying like a a season off or just like she had like a off season like of months like she basically took most 2018 off and then came back for 2019 or is planning to come back for 2019. So like missed a season basically. Hmm. Um, And, you know, it was pretty interesting to talk through just what that looked like because she knew, you know, she needed that reset. And I think a lot of athletes know they need that reset, but aren't willing to, you know, take that leap of faith that everything is going to be okay if you do take it right. They try to push through and that's how you end up with injuries and, you know, even longer time off or, or just nursing an injury and never getting back to a hundred. This, yeah. this is, sounds like an episode that's going to make me like rethink my, my life again. There's going to be oh, another, geez. another midlife crisis here. I'm sure every episode's a midlife crisis for you, dear. Well, I guess that means it's, we're, we're giving the people what they want, right? Oh boy. Uh, well, if you like this episode and you want to hear more about winter sports or there's a winter sport you want to hear about, uh, please hit us up over at consummateathlete.com or, or with people too. If you, if you know someone who's like a really compelling mm-hmm. athlete of any type. Yeah. Cause we're getting into that time of year where it's kind of cool to hear about these other winter sports. It gets me a little bit more excited for snow. Yeah. And gets us back to our original consummate athlete. You know, what can we learn from someone who does ski jumping someone mm-hmm. you know where this sounds really intriguing you know two sports completely different summer and then time off that sounds you know and i remember the nascar episode we did and the nfl one like there's some pretty cool stuff from those sports when you get into it with their video replay and how do they practice mm-hmm. and yeah so if you know anyone let us know all right awesome enjoy this episode with sarah hendrickson the, the first thing I kind of wanted to talk to you about was you and I have been texting a bunch uh, trying to set this up and often it's, oh, I had my, my second training session of the day or, you know, today it was second training session and then you had to eat lunch right after. Um, 
which I love. Can you walk me through what a typical day like today looks like for you? Yeah, um, it kind of is like, it's a little bit all over the place. Not not really, but I would say like this morning, I'm kind of in a um, like physical training week, so I'm not actually jump ski jumping this week, so I'm like in the gym. But this morning, I went for a bike ride, a mountain bike ride here in Park City, Utah. So um, I met with a friend, and we rode for like two hours, and then I ended up going to the gym right after um and did some core work and some like hip hip work um that i found is really helpful for um just my body and and for ski jumping in particular so then when i was done with that about one um i headed home and got some lunch and then just kind of do like some computer work or school um into a little bit more and then i usually go for either a yoga class or um, a little walk or a run with some stretching to kind of recover, do an active recovery for the muscle Um And then, like, tomorrow, um, instead of a bike ride in the morning, I have about a two-hour gym session uh, and then kind of, like, similar thing in the afternoon with, like, the active recovery with either a yoga or a little hike or something like that just to get the the muscles warmed up again, warmed up again, and uh, stretched out. So that those are kind of like normal gym days or physical days, um, and actually on the ski gym. That's awesome. That sounds like the best kind of day. And I have to ask, <laughs> mountain biking—is it anything like ski jumping? Like, is downhill mountain biking similar to the feeling you get ski jumping? Um, I guess you could rewrite it. I mean, there's, like, speed and there are jumps, I guess, like that. I do more, like, kind of thinky, so you do, like, um, I definitely, like, climbing up the mountain and then, like, enjoying the way down. I don't take risks up or anything. Um, so it's an endurance, um, it's an endurance type of training, which I don't particularly need for ski jumping, but, um, I enjoy it a lot and it keeps me it keeps me kind of fit and um and happy and that's that's really important for me yes absolutely um and I mean okay you mentioned you weren't ski jumping right now and I have to I have to ask the ski jumping training where you go into a lake or a pool or whatever you've got to explain to me how that works because every time (laughs) I see it it just terrifies me um, so actually for ski jumping, we don't go into the pool. That's more for aerial skiing or oh, okay. skiing. So they do the tricks, like the, the flips and stuff like that. So we actually um, jump on a ski jump that is normally covered in snow, right, because we're a winter sport. But in the summer, they cover it, or it's covered with um, plastic. And... Um, it's kind of hard to explain, but they water it down. We use the same equipment and everything. They water it down, and it actually acts just like snow. So we can jump um, in the exact same way that we would in the winter, but we obviously don't need the snow. So essentially, we can train 11 months out of the year, either on this plastic material or on snow. Um, and it's not it's not much more dangerous. It's not much different. So... Um, so as a ski jumper, we never go down to like the southern hemisphere, which you will hear, um, you know, ski racers or freestyle athletes go in search of snow in the summer, um, where we can just stay like in Park City or, 
in um, these uh, ski jump areas all year round. Okay. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go way, way, way back. Were you into skiing as a kid or how, how did you end up being the first female to ever jump in a ski jumping event at the Olympics back in 2014? Yeah. Um, so I was going to ski to in the 90s and they just really loved the West. They grew up in the East, but wanted to raise uh, my brother and I out here. So, um, we settled in this tiny little town before it got really big, but um, skiing was a huge part of our life. Um, they both love to ski. Um, both are incredible athletes and just raised us being uh, skiers. It was super cheap to get a ski pass back in the day, and we would go as much as possible. So I really alpine skied um, with my friends and, and family growing up, and then when the 2002 Olympics came around to Park City, um, they had amazing opportunities for kids to get into the Olympic sports. And so my brother and I were drawn to ski jumping. And he had started ski jumping a couple of years before. And um, I say that I was honestly sick of watching him do it because I wanted to try <laughs> it too. And, um, you know, we would drop him off at practice and whatever. And I think I finally just asked my mom, like, can I try it? And um, my parents have always been super supportive in anything we wanted to do. So she was like, yeah, sure. And so I started the program and, um, my brother and I were, he, he was in it for, um, probably 18 years and I've been doing it for 17 years now. So, um, uh, it's been a big part of our, our life. Oh, that's awesome. So are you and your brother super competitive with each other? No, we've never really been competitive in the sense of like trying to beat each other we push each other in a very positive way like when he was still jumping um like people would ask like oh do you jump farther than your brother and it's always just like we don't really like think about that because we're just we we don't compete on like on the same level we're different ages so i don't know i never really wanted that like competitive rivalry but Mm -hmm. like he's such an inspiration to me he is like such an incredible athlete he was a after he retired from ski jumping um he was a cross-country skier at the university of utah and the captain of that team so like his athletic ability is just so incredible so he's always like inspired me that way um so it's been very very positive in the way that we influence each other in sport mm-hmm. that's awesome i feel like Every athlete sibling like set that I talk to, that tends to be the trajectory if they've both made it in the sport. Usually, uh, if it is more of a rivalry, I feel like they don't last, in, or one of them at least won't last in the sport. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And like, I'm, yeah, it's just like I, I owe him a lot of um, credit for like, him helping me um, like, be the athlete that I've been able to be because of like being able to train around him and stuff like that but never in the way that like we would push each other down Mm -hmm. that's awesome um so where where are you right now in terms of ski jumping because i was looking through your website and i know you took a bit of a break back in 2018 and then in may you wrote about planning to come back for the 2019 season um is it a comeback is it just return where where are you at (laughs) Yeah, so, like, after the 2018 Olympics, um, it was a pretty rough year. I was obviously very excited that I was able to compete at the Olympics, but 
after my six knee surgeries and I just kind of like needed a break from the sport I felt like I was just grinding and I wasn't really enjoying this passion that I had for so long it kind of just like faded out and become almost a job even though a job that doesn't really make you that much money in a sense Mm -hmm. um so it was just like my everyone close to me could see that I was not happy and so it was kind of just like okay I need to do something that makes me happy so I took the year after the Olympics off, I went to school, I moved to Colorado where my boyfriend lives and just kind of made a goal of just being happy and falling in love with sports again and um, so mountain biking and alpine skiing, like I've been alpine skiing my whole life but like when I was competing I was always too scared to go out and alpine ski and he was like getting hurt and ruining my career so was just like I'm gonna push all those stuff aside and just go out and have fun and enjoy winter and train in the sense of that I just want to go out and go for a walk or if I want to go to a yoga class I can do that but not like following a specific schedule like I had for so many years mm-hmm. and I really had no idea if I would come back to the sport um, I was always like nope, I think I'm going to retire, and obviously I wasn't voicing that opinion, I told myself, like, I'm going to give myself a year and see where I am then, but um, there were just days where I'm just like, oh, I'm so over it, and I just don't want to do it, my knee still hurts, blah, 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 but I had a few, like, sessions on the ski jump this winter, um, that past winter, where I just was out with my coach that has been coaching me for 10 years, and it was really just, like, jumps like for my soul, I guess, just without really any anticipation of what they would lead me to. And I really just realized that I love being an athlete and I love training and um, that I wanted to, I wanted to come back. And yeah, I wouldn't really call it a comeback. I just, I really took a break after the Olympics, which is pretty common for a lot of people that Sure, yeah. like Olympic sites, Olympic cycles, like you need a year off or you need just to like readjust. So, um, in the spring this year, after I finished like two full, two full semesters of college courses out in Colorado, um, like talked to my parents and my boyfriend and they were just like, I think you should like try another year. Like we can see how happy it makes you when you're not struggling with knee pain and we don't care about the results. Like we just want you to end like on a good note or continue and keep going because we know that your passion runs so deep for the sport. So, um, luckily with all their support and just, um, you know, realizing that I still had this passion for, um, for ski jumping, it was like, okay, I think, I think we need to try another year and, and then decide where it goes from there. I love that. And you also kind of kicked off the spring season, though, with the Red Bull 400, which <laughs> is a little different than ski jumping. Uh, you were going up a mountain instead of down it. How did that come about? And you also won it. Like, let's add that in. <laughs> yeah, so I've been sponsored by Red Bull for almost six years now, and they've been, like, a tremendous supporter of um, me as an athlete. And they started bringing around this Red Bull 400 event, which is 400 meters, but you go up the ski jump. So it's, it's short, but it's, um, like a, a thousand meter elevation gain. So you're not technically running it. You're going to be hiking that 
that hill and um, it's pretty brutal but um yeah I always try and go to those events when I can just because I, I love running and I love like going to Red Bull events it's super fun it's a great atmosphere and um I knew I like was pretty fit because I had been like doing more cardio than I usually do when I'm training for ski jumping so you know, I kind of had this devil on my shoulder, like, oh, I think I can do, like, okay, but you never really expected to win. And um, so, yeah, it was um, it was really fun. Uh, it's a great, great venue out in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan where I ski jump um, is there. And, like, my favorite part about those events is that it brings people around the ski jump because it's obviously not that popular in the United States in the United States and everyone can't just go off a ski jump, but this type of running race can bring people from all around to just look at our ski jumps and bring more awareness to the sport. And that's, that's what I love because ski jumping really is amazing. And once people kind of um, start watching it or paying attention to it more, they kind of see how cool it is too. Yeah. And okay. You have to, you have to give the listeners some kind of tips about how to climb up a ski jump. Uh, we have a ton of mountain runs in our area. I'm super into the mountain running, so I I also could use some advice. Um, yeah, it's obviously sure it takes an average of like six to ten minutes, depending on the runner. But like my philosophy is just like one foot in front of the other, like kind of keep your head down and don't like look at where you're going. I feel like a lot of people like kind of go kind of fast and then they have to stop and catch their breath. But I was just like one foot in front of the other and like, don't stop until you finish cross the finish line. So, um, if you have an opportunity, definitely do it. It's really fun. And, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge. And sometimes you expect to do better than, um, you do. Or vice versa. Sometimes you surprise yourself with um like the adrenaline and just being in a race and how how much it can push you for a couple minutes yeah yeah no that's that's awesome as soon as I saw that I was just like I have to talk to this girl and get some some advice and and hear about what that looked like because all of the runs I've done have been like you know 50 kilometers or like 13 miles Uh like the ones where you can kind of settle into a pace but that one is just okay and we're going and we're still going yeah um so with with the Olympics so far out, what does that mean for like training and competing for the next three years? Is that even on your radar yet? Or I, because I feel like the Olympics is still just like the pinnacle of of the ski, like the sport of skiing. So how does it feel when you have three years till they come back? Yeah, so I mean, it is the pinnacle, but we have between 20 and 30 world cups every single season so Mm -hmm. um we're never really off like you can take time off if you want like i did but it's um we're always training for a new season and between the so we have an olympic year and then we also have two world championship years um on the odd years and then like this winter coming up we'll only have world cups but that's still um plenty of opportunity to be on the world's world stage and um um compete at the at the international level so um i mean it really only comes around for spectators i would say every four years because that's when they see it on nbc but Mm -hmm. really we never really turn off that competing it's always 
go through a season, assess how you do, take a month off, and then repeat. And um, that's just that's just how we've always been. Most winter athletes are like that. Um, I would say it's quite rare that you would have athletes take, um, you know, three years off before the Olympics because it just takes so long to prepare, and those World Cups are really essential to that preparation phase. Sure. And so can you walk me through like the day of a World Cup competition? Like what does that look like from beginning till post race? Yeah, usually World Cups are in the afternoon. Um, so in the morning you try and you know sleep in and just relax a little bit and usually you get up, have breakfast and yeah, I keep in mind that like all these um, World Cups for us are in Europe or in Japan. So you're in a foreign place, foreign food, not always, you know, the nicest accommodation, but um, that's what we kind of are accustomed to. So Mm -hmm. it's never, um, it's never really out of the norm, but, you know, we're not sleeping in our own bed ever. Um, So yeah, like wake up, have breakfast, and then usually we do some type of an activation training. So just want to get our muscles um, ready to go. I think a lot of people don't realize that although ski jumping is a really short um, short time frame it happens in about eight seconds um, you have to be physically fit you have to be strong the takeoff is at a negative angle meaning that it drops down and um, so you have to use your legs and your power to um, get into a flight position to uh, have a far jump so if you don't have those muscles ready to go then you're going to definitely struggle so the morning getting activation and then Honestly, you're just you're trying to conserve energy, and um, I would say some people like to be distracted leading up to the event. Mm-hmm. I think it. Other people like to be on the phone, and that's just something that you have to kind of learn for yourself. Every athlete's totally different. Um, you know, I'll read, um, a big reader, or go for a walk and listen to a podcast, those types of thing. And then once the time. Um, comes in the afternoon, we head to the hill, and then again, kind of do another warm up. And um, I would say we're usually at the venue for about three hours. Um, you'll get one training jump, and then directly following that, you'll have two competition jumps that that count for the scoring. Okay. And do you have any like pump up music or anything like that that you listen to, kind of right before? Um, I'm not a huge music person to be completely honest i'm not like anti-music by any means and like our team is a little bit notorious for like listening to kesha and, like, <laughs> but, um, like it's kind of funny because athletes um some athletes are so like driven by their music and i definitely like it but like if i forget my headphones i'm like eh, whatever not a big deal yeah. so um i wouldn't say anything um specific in that sense um we usually have our like own routines for warming up and getting flexible and getting in our mindset like for me um i've learned that if i just if i'm relaxed and having fun and kind of joking around with my teammates or girls from other countries that i've known for years and years um, that's usually when I have my best performance, but it's, it's totally, um, individualized for how people want to handle their competition time. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know on start lines, I sometimes get dirty looks for trying to be like chatty and joke around with people, but then other people are really psyched to have someone else to talk to. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you've mentioned like strength training and mobility and yoga and stuff a couple times now. So what is your what does a week look like in terms of strength training or like the flexibility and mobility stuff? Yeah. Um, so strength training uh, usually happens about three days a week, and then we'll have plyometrics, um, hurdle training, speed and agility another two days a week, and then yoga stretching is honestly about four four to five days a week I mean there's rarely a day where I don't actually stretch in some some shape or form whether it's in like an organized yoga class or just on my own and then um, running is actually quite important for ski jumpers um, because we have to stay pretty lean Um, power to weight ratio is really important for us so um, Mm -hmm. we usually do morning or nightly runs just to stay um, kind of on that lean side of things. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then kind of on that topic, what is what is like a day of nutrition look like for you? Or And I mean, how has it sort of changed as you've, you know, matured as an athlete? And I'm sure with Red Bull and with your with the USA ski team and stuff, I'm sure you have tons of really great resources for nutrition help too. Yeah, nutrition is really interesting. I mean, ski jumping is the only weight sport in um, the Winter Olympics, um, and I don't I don't need to get more into that detail. But so we are very weight conscious, and you come into the sport knowing that, right? And you're at a young age, and mm-hmm. um, it's all about this balanced uh, balance of having a good relationship with food. Obviously, there's negative food stigma or you know, disordered eating, um, thoughts that I think roll through a weighted sport. I think that's kind of, um, not really avoidable to be honest, but I was lucky enough to have great access to nutritionists and sports psych to handle that. And, um, it's really cool how I've kind of like grown and developed over years just to find out like what food I love and how much food to eat and, um, you know, just like how you train or how you approach a competition mentally, nutrition is the same. It's different for everyone, and you have to kind of figure out what what feels good in your body. And um, like I, I eat a ton. I don't think people would believe me because <laughs> I'm quite I'm quite lean, but I'm pretty much um, I'm vegetarian and very close to being plant-based I would say and um, that's just because it works with my body I feel like I burn carbs a lot better than I burn um, heavy meats Um, but that's that's not the same for everyone so um, for me like I eat a ton of veggies I eat um, yeah I eat grains um, gosh I I don't know I eat pretty much anything that you would find in a vegetarian diet. I do eat fish because I find that that's my good source of protein. Um, but yeah, it's definitely easier to cook for myself when I'm at home on the road. It looks a little bit different and you just kind of have to deal with what you can. But mm-hmm. um, I'm really thankful that I've had opportunity to be in sport and learn about food and dietitian not the way that I have because I feel like it's going to carry with me through the rest of the, my life. And 
I love that I um, have found like a a diet or an eating lifestyle that works with me. And um, I don't think I'll change that much once I retire because I've found this happy medium. It's not like I don't eat ice cream or don't eat chocolate by any means because I know that if I crave that, then I'm going to have some of it and I'm not restricted in that sense. So um, I think that's a really cool development that you go through as an athlete and as a person and, and learn more about your body. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really cool to hear that, you know, very positive look at food, (laughs) especially in like the power to weight kind of sports. It's, it's really hard. I mean, cycling is the same. It's, it's very tempting to start getting super focused on the number on the scale and completely forget, you know, the, the actual like power side of things or the health side of things. So yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely difficult. And um, you know, I've had teammates, I've seen people around the world, um, other ski jumpers that don't have as much, um, of a good relationship on, with food or with exercise or stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I, I am thankful for my genetics because I have, um, been probably a little bit lucky on that side, but, um, I also put myself out there to learn about food at a really young age and, um, I guess that's just kind of what you have to do and keep learning and um, figure out what works best. Yeah. And Okay. Speaking of learning, you, you've mentioned school a couple of times. So did you just start college this past year? And if so, what are you studying? Um, I've actually taken classes online, like pretty much every semester since I graduated high school in 2012, just okay. because... I love school, and um, it kind of keeps my like head um, in a good place when I'm trying to recover or something like that, where I still feel like I'm productive in some different part of um, my life. And so I've taken classes here and there, but when I took this year off from competing, um, I took full, full two semesters at a community college, and um, yeah, it was awesome. I completely love learning. I think it's amazing um my goal at this point is to apply to a nursing program and I'm just kind of working on those prerequisites for that and and see where that where that um goes oh I love that um but in the meantime you're also doing a little bit of coaching too and as I was as we were talking about the food stuff I, it, I was starting to think oh when you're coaching you have this really great platform to kind of explain to younger girls who are getting into the sport just how important that healthy diet and healthy lifestyle is so yeah tell me a little bit about the coaching you've been up to yeah, I think, I mean, ski jumping is such a small community in the state, so it's very common for athletes once they retire or whatever to turn around and coach for a couple of years. And honestly, I wasn't that into it for quite a few years. I I got stuck with kind of some younger kids, which um, <laughs> I'm not very good with younger kids. Like, I'm just going to be completely honest. I like watching them ski jump, but I'm not really good with anybody under the age of 10. Okay, um, I feel contrast. you. I quit yeah. grads. I was uh, in grad school for education and I quit after 2 days of being in like actual like teaching environment for student teaching. I was like, nope, can't do it. This is not for me. Yeah, I have a teammate that um she loves it. She loves she's under 10. She does way better with under 10 and so I just kind of realized that that wasn't for me and then this summer 
I coached like more a junior national team, so ages 13 to 16, and I absolutely love love that age. I think they're so insightful. They're so malleable. Um, they really listen. They're pretty respectful. Um, and so I love just kind of stepping back, especially as an active athlete. I'm still going to compete. You can learn a lot from viewing the sport in a different way. When you're an athlete, you only view it in one way, but if you step back and realize how you're coaching somebody or um, how to tell somebody like things to change, you can really bring that with you when you come back to competing. And um, I think it can be super beneficial. So um, it's really nice to develop those relationships with the kids and, um, and of course, give back to this small community that I'm so thankful to be a part of. Yeah, I've I've had the exact same experience doing some uh, mountain bike and road cycling coaching with that same kind of age range. And it's honestly amazing to me some of the stuff that they're talking about and saying. And I'm just like, I had not thought about, you know, that obstacle that way. Or, you know, I hadn't thought about this, you know, life philosophy that way. It's amazing. It's really the time where they start to have their own opinions and mm-hmm. they know how to communicate their opinions so it's when you can start to have like real conversations with kids it's I think it's so cool so yeah I I love that age range and I think um, that's when ski jumping started to become a huge part of my life at that um, age and I had coaches that really transformed the way I viewed the sport and had so much fun so I hope to do a little bit um for these kids. Mm-hmm. Like and as you've been doing the coaching, do you think that actually helped kind of make you be like, Oh, I do actually want to still compete or kind of relit that, that fire for you? Definitely. Um, yeah, it just feels that passion a little bit more. Um, it's like ski jumping has never just been a sport for me. It's kind of been my lifestyle and, um, giving back to those kids and watching them be happy and experience that feeling of flying is. um, it definitely brings me back to why I got started too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had a really great um, Instagram post talking about that, your birthday post where you mentioned the power of passion and where you said like, stop and find your love for it or leave it behind. I I was just so blown away by that. I'm like, I'm gonna, I need to frame this quote and just remind <laughs> myself of it constantly. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I don't know. I just felt like for years leading up to the 2018 Olympics, it was like I was doing all the things by the books. Like I was training all in the right ways. I was jump. Everything was like in its slot, like should be perfect, but the results were not there. And it was because there wasn't that passion behind showing up to the trainings or behind showing up to the, to the events. It was just kind of like there. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, easier said than done, but I think passion can outweigh almost um, like some of the hard work. I think you need the base, the basics, obviously, but then once if you have that passion, you can just blaze through so much of the crap. Yes, 100%. Um, and okay, so speaking of the crap, um, with the women's World Cup in soccer kind of pushing this whole women's equality in sport to sort of actual real headlines for the first time in a really long time, I noticed you're also, you know, pretty passionate about trying to close the gender pay gap in ski jumping. And I know you're the representative for women's ski jumping on the International Ski Federation Athlete Commission. So 
I'd love it if you could just kind of speak about where that's at. Yeah, um, it's definitely frustrating. So um, FIS does claim they have complete sport um, equality when it comes to pay, and that is um, definitely Yeah. (laughs) Um, In the past, we paid about 25% of the men, and this year in the spring, I proposed to raise it to 33% of the men. Um, and it actually got denied. Um, we still got an increase. So I think it's at at about 29% right now and we have less events than the men. So it's definitely hard because I understand their argument in the sense that, um, you know, men's jumping is more popular They get more viewerships. They can sell more tickets. Like I do understand that, but I also, and just like I was born female, I had no choice in that, and I want to ski jump. And they will always make more money than us because they have a bigger viewing platform, which obviously corresponds with them getting more sponsorships, and they're always going to have a bigger payout because they're going to have those sponsorships at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So if we could just get equal prize money from our events, then it would just... um you know, it just, it brings us just a little bit more um, satisfaction in the fact that we can use it as a career and not just as a hobby. I mean, so many of the girls, um, you know, have to work other jobs just to be able to keep going because they can't make money in the sport. Um, So if you can get more prize money and have more incentive to keep girls in the sport, to keep girls, um, you know, keeping to climb and excel to the next level to the point where they could actually make money um, is a huge life changer. And so it's, it's definitely a dicey situation and um, I just am still fighting for it. And I know that um, we deserve it. It's just a matter of time until the people that run the international ski federation agree with us and can provide that for us. Mm-hmm. It's kind of amazing to me just how similar that is to cycling and, you know, women's cycling. And I imagine ski jumping is also, like cycling, not a cheap sport to be in. So any money you make probably quickly gets put back into the sport, right? Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, we have um, organizations like USA Nordic, which is our nonprofit that helps pay for sports and, and our travel. And, um, you know, that offsets definitely a little bit too um but yeah it's just i mean at the end of the day we didn't get started in ski jumping because of the money side and i think that's why our passion can bring us so far Mm -hmm. but then at the end of the day it's like well you you can only realistically live with you know without making an income for so long so um you have to figure it out Mm -hmm. well it's it's really great to hear that athletes like you are actually actively fighting for it you know usually it takes you know a lot of years and most of the time the fights for equality come from like retired racers who just couldn't do it anymore so it's awesome to see someone who's still in it and like high up in the sport actually really leading the charge yeah no i I, i'm trying to do what i can and um i think the girls on the circuit on the world cup circuit just have to keep um proving proving ourselves time and time again that we deserve the attention and the sponsors that um 
you know, the men are getting or, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so for our whole audience, so we can hopefully add to the viewership, how can people watch ski jumping in the U.S., like for the World Cups? Is it broadcast anywhere? Yeah, actually, um, NBC Sports does a great job. Um, you can log on to their site. Sometimes they'll, they'll play it in the winter on the Olympic Channel. Um, and that's actually, they've done an amazing job upping the, the, um, coverage on that in the past couple of years. So for sure, tune into that and, um, yeah, watch us fly. It's, it's a pretty exciting sport. If you're ever near Park City or any other ski jump, like come up and watch and you'll really have an appreciation for how fast and how far we're flying. Oh, that's awesome. I will definitely take up watching that in the winter because, I mean, there's not as much bike racing going on, so I definitely need something good to watch. So Absolutely. Gonna have to start. Um, okay, where can everyone find you and follow along with all of your adventures? Yeah, um, so I post quite frequently on Instagram, and um, I also have a Facebook fan page, which is just Sarah Hendrickson, and my um, Instagram handle is S.C. Hendrickson, and yeah, I really appreciate anyone that um, wants to follow, and if you, you know, direct message me on there, I'll be sure to respond. Um, I love connecting with anybody that wants to learn about ski jumping and um, get the word out there. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'll include the links to all of that in the show notes. And thank you so much for chatting today. This was super cool. I, you know, hadn't really ever talked to a ski jumper before. I've talked to plenty of cross-country skiers and downhill skiers, but this is a first for me. So it's really fun learning about all of that and how you train for it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's um, just spreading the knowledge about the sport is what I love to do. So I appreciate people listening. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, you can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J. Herford. And you can check out Peter's coaching, training plans, blogs, all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out WideAnglePodium.com for show info, other podcasts, bonus content, and to become a donating member so you can get all of that rad behind-the-scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week... Uh, do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. It takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone. And it really helps us out. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week.